0: To hear this morning the word that you're bringing through Wendy yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Actually, the
1: word through Wendy and my and friend Gail. Gail. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no, no, you're stepping up here with me. Um, Gail is, uh, if you don't know Gail, she is a member of Topal Baptist. We acknowledge
0: God, Creator of life, His Son Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us, and the Holy Spirit. God, Jesus, and Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you.
1: Uh, morena Coto. Uh, this morning, Gail and I are going to tell you a story. A story about peace. A story about peacemaking. A story about two peacemakers in our nation. Peacemakers who studied the Bible and led their people according to what they heard God say to them. This is a story about people doing what they believed, was right in the eyes of God, despite the cost. This is the story of Parihaka. You may already know about Parihaka. You may remember earlier this year, the government signed a deed of reconciliation with the people of Parihaka, which amongst other things included an apology from the crown for the wrongs that the crown had done, and a legacy statement, outlining what really happened at Parihaka. A a legacy statement is a powerful thing in that it speaks the truth and acknowledges past wrongs. Speaking the truth about the past helps us to reconcile the past and paves the way for a better future for everyone. And you know, this is not unlike the process That happens when we become followers of Jesus, when we face the truth, the reality of our sinfulness, which then allows the reconciling power of Jesus, the ultimate peacemaker, to occur. Peacemaking is facing reality by speaking the truth, being able to say sorry, and being able to forgive. This is the story of Te o Orongomai and Tohukakihi, the two peacemakers who led the people of Parihaka. These two men grew up in Taranaki in the 1800s during the land wars. They were recognized by elders in their community as carrying spiritual authority as prophets and teachers. And they were also taught by missionaries, Wesleyan and uh, Lutheran missionaries, in their communities where they grew up. And added to that, Viti and Tohu were taught the Bible by two of their own people, uh, Te Ua Haumene and Minarapa Rangiha Tuake. And they had actually been slaves, one in Kafia and one in Wellington, and had had learnt the Bible, became Christians and brought te pai, or the good news, back to Taranaki. So um, it's just interesting to know that many Māori did actually learn the gospel from their own people. In the 1860s, Te Pu established a community of refuge. And on the uh, PowerPoint, that red dot marks the spot. And that's the community of Parihaka. And they established this, this place of sanctuary to the of land which was occurring all over New Zealand and especially so in the province of Taranaki. Huge amounts of land had been purchased unethically by the New Zealand company and by the New Zealand government. Is the thing being a little bit noisy? Do you want to fix it? Thank you. So huge amounts of land had been bought unethically by the uh, New Zealand company. I might just use that microphone, maybe. Ah. My nose. (laughs) And the New Zealand government. Land loss also occurred through confiscation by the government. Uh, Many Māori... I think would... and and Parihaka became a sanctuary for these people Parihaka was a place where everyone was welcome as long as you could commit to the principles of non-violence equality and working together the non-violence included no verbal abuse no put downs as well as no fighting even when provoked and you know, fighting had been very much part of the Māori culture up until that time. So, not to fight was a big thing for these people. And added to the belief of, in nonviolence, or the principle of nonviolence, was the Christian principle of love towards all people. So, could you put slide five up, um, Lorna? Thanks. At uh, Parihaka, two days every month were set aside for reflecting on scriptures, as well as to discuss what to do about the ever-increasing land loss. Uh, Anyone was welcome to join in these discussions, Pākehā, and the government especially were invited, and sometimes government officials attended, but when they did, there was no true intent to participate in shared dialogue. Actually, instead, they arrived with rigid statements of their intention, seeking to force their position. They actually saw Te and Tohu as religious fanatics and troublemakers, rather than people with whom they could negotiate. Te was happy to share the land with the government and the settlers, but he was not willing to give it away. And you'll see on the slide there, he said, "'It is not my wish that evil should come to the two races,' my wish is for the whole of us to live peacefully and happily on the land. So the government chose not to talk, not to negotiate, and instead pushed ahead, surveying the land for the settlers. Reserves Maori were promised, but these never eventuated. And when the government surveyors planted pegs in the ground to mark out the land they wanted to take for farms, Te and Tohu, ordered their followers to pull them out again and plough over the land. And the ploughing was actually a metaphor for ploughing the heart of Governor Gray, who was duplicious. He was someone that they could not trust. Government troops pulled down fences in order to build roads across the confiscated land, but the men of Parihaka built them again and replanted the crops that were trampled in the process. So more workers were sent to plough up the farms, and um, particularly the farms that were occupied by the settlers. And when the police arrived to arrest them, the men of Parihaka stood silently without speaking and without resisting. Tefiti said to his followers, Go, put your hands to the plough, look not back. If any come with guns, be not afraid. If they smite you, smite not in return. And these words are not dissimilar to the words of Jesus. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other cheek also. Many of the Parihaka men who ploughed the land and pulled up the survey pegs were sent, without trial, to Dunedin, As prisoners and put to hard labour and some of them died there. The government and the settlers finally became really frustrated with Tifiti and Tohu's strategy of passive resistance and a decision was made to attack the village of Parihaka.
0: The attack was led by my great-great-grandfather riding a white horse His name was Lieutenant John Bryce and he was the Minister of Native Affairs. Like many others of the time, he viewed Parihaka as a headquarters of fanaticism and disaffection. My great-great-grandfather led a force of nearly 1,600 armed constabulary and volunteers, some of whom were unhappy settlers. On the road, he was met by the children of Parihaka, singing, dancing and skipping. One of his soldiers wrote, that the troops were confronted by about 200 little boys who danced splendidly and the next line of defence was formed by 60 girls of skipping ropes.
1: The night before Bryce marched into the Papakaianga or the village of Parihaka, Tifiti had ordered the women to bake bread, 500 loaves for the, for the soldiers.
0: Approached the children who were wearing white albatross feathers in their hair, they offered the soldiers bread. At that time, Parihaka was the biggest Maori village
1: in Aotearoa. It had even got streetlights before New Plymouth. It had its own bank, its own flour mill, huge communal gardens for the inhabitants as well as for the visitors when they arrived for the Ra Karanga, the two days where they discussed. The loss of land and reflected on scriptures. And you know what? My great 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 grandmother was one of those visitors. She was present on what has become known as the Day of Plunder or Te Ra or Te pāhua, the fifth of November, eighteen eighty-one. Could you put the picture up of um, slide fifteen? Yeah, um, that's you know one hundred and thirty-six years ago today that Parihaka was invaded. And that's a picture of my great-great-grandmother. there, great-great-great-grandmother there, and um, she would have heard. She's actually holding my grandfather. Um, she would have heard Tifiti say, "Even if the bayonet comes to your breast, do not resist it." And she would have been one of the 2,000 people sitting, silent and immobile, utterly impassive with no opposition or no outbursts of emotion.
0: As my great-great-grandfather advanced, he saw the 2,000-seated Māori and he read what was known as the Riot Act, even though there was no riot. This is a notice that you leave Parihaka in the vicinity and you return to your neighbourhoods. Do not be deaf, but listen to the request at once. Ngāti Ruanui and Nati Awas and other tribes of the West Coast District must return to their own settlement, there to, the, to await the instructions of the government concerning them. He then called on Te fiti and Tohu, who were dressed in the Korowai, the traditional dress of the younger days, to surrender. At their surrender, they were arrested. And, and as they left,
1: Tohu said to the people, We look for peace, but we find war. Be steadfast, keep peaceful works, be not dismayed, have no fear. Over the following two weeks, 1,600 Parihaka inhabitants were expelled and dispersed throughout Taranaki without food or shelter. For those, who, for those 600 who remained, their homes were looted and destroyed. The government issued passes that denied them freedom of movement and prevented supporters supporters from providing them with supplies. Their sacred buildings were desecrated, women were raped, heirlooms were stolen, and cultivations and livestock were systematically destroyed. Tefiti and Tohu were imprisoned in the South Island for sixteen months without trial. They were released after two years and returned to reconstruct Parihaka.
0: The history that I, and no doubt many of you, learnt at school differs to the reality we are now aware of. Injustices of colonisation, which included the invasion of lands and rights, were commonplace. Māori carry the mamai, or the hurt, of this very close to the surface, still today. Mana and dignity were taken from the people of Parihaka, who were peaceful, caring and hard-working. By encouraging people to look at what actually happened in our history, we can build empathy, understanding and break down some of the judgments and biases that have been handed down through the generations.
1: The belief of the people of Parihaka was that there was a better way to resist those who were trying to take their land. They made a conscious decision to put aside revenge and violence and to practice passive resistance. Right up until the deaths of Te and Tohu, these men preached peace, peace for all. So, what is the relevance of this story for us today? What is the relevance of this story for us as Christians? This story has relevance for us as Christians because it reflects something of the heart of Jesus, our Prince of Peace, And our peace. So what is peace? Many people think that peace is just the absence of war or conflict. Peace is much more than this. The word peace or shalom conveys a sense of harmony, harmonious relationships between God and people, between people and people, and between nations and nations. Peace conveys a sense of completeness, of fullness, the fullness of expression of everything being right in the world. Peace is also experienced as rest and contentment, both internally and externally. And many of you here today, as followers of Jesus, may have experienced that internal peace, that peace that passes no understanding. Peace is also related to righteousness, state of rightness and well being. All relationships working in a right and proper order. And this state of rightness and well being can only come from Jesus. You know, Jesus is our peace, He has put things right between us and God. So, what is a peacemaker? Well, very simply, a peacemaker is someone who puts things right. Peacemaking is about putting things right, and we call that reconciliation. Jesus is a peacemaker because he put things right between us and God. When we face the truth about ourselves, recognize that we are sinners, we realize we need to make peace with God. When we are confronted with what it is to be human, when we realize we need to be saved from our wicked hearts. And I've got a couple of scriptures up there. Um, slide 21, Lorna. Oh, it should be, that I'll read it out. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And the other one the above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Peacemaking is speaking the truth, facing reality, and then being able to say sorry and ask for forgiveness. This is what we do when we face our sinfulness and come to Jesus. And he, as the peacemaker, forgives us. Jesus is our peace and our peacemaker. He has forgiven us and reconciled us to God. But once we have made peace with God, then Jesus calls us to be peacemakers in a broken world. And this Bible makes, the Bible makes it very clear. Um, we have the scriptures, we work at living with peace with Hebron. So the Bible makes it very clear that we are called to be peacemakers in our world. In a world that's hungry for peace, we must first choose to work through conflict in our personal relationships. The road to a world restored begins with each of us, in our own way, waging peace. Before we can wage peace out in the world, we need to wage peace in our hearts and in our personal relationships. I'm going to read that again. Before we can wage peace in the world, we need to wage peace in our hearts and in our personal relationships. Charles Price, a well-known preacher and pastor, puts it like this. International conflict is an expression of national conflict. National conflict is an expression of personal conflict. And personal conflict is a symptom of our alienation from God. There is only one way we can begin to solve the world's problems, and that is by having a look at ourselves We need to face the reality of our own lives. We need to live out the reconciling love of God, whether it is between us and God, husband and wife, child and parent, siblings, neighbours, Māori and Pākehā, nations and nations. The reconciling love of God is that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, whose outstretched arms on the cross together on the cross brought together humanity and god and humankind and humankind this reconciling love of god allows us to have communion connection relationship with him and this morning there's an opportunity for you as we take communion the body and the blood of Christ, represented by the symbols of bread and juice. Anyone who is a follower of Jesus here may come and take communion this morning. And as you come to communion, you might like to read the scripture on the piece of paper that you will have received when you arrived. And if you didn't get one, there's some papers on the, on the tables. Um, so you might like to take that, read it, see what words or word stands out, and then reflect on that word or those words. Or you might like to reflect on the words on the screen. Uh, That's that's the one there, correct?
0: Or you might like to hold on to and look at the white feather that you received, or there's some more on the tables if you missed out. The white feather is a symbol of peace for the people of Parihaka, uh, the Maori people of Parihaka tell a story of an albatross who landed at Tohu's Murai at Parihaka, and when it flew off, it left a single feather. The rokura, the feather, is um, and is still understood as a sign left by the Holy Spirit, sanctioning the call to non-violence. So, as you take
1: communion this morning, pray for peace. In whatever area you sense God is speaking to you, it might be between you and God, you and another person, or praying into a situation that needs peace. You might like to share communion with someone else.
0: Blessed be Christ, the Prince of
1: Kia fakapanga a te karaiti, te ariki o te mo. Who breaks down the walls that divide. E turakine nei i nga arai o te wehi. Praise to Christ. Kia whakapāinga a te karaiti. Who unites us in peace. E tui tui nei yatato I, I roto i te mau. Blessed be God. Fakapanga te atua. Who calls us together. E whakaminei nei i Praise to God. Whakamoe mi titia Who makes us one people. Kuakotahi nei Christ's body was broken for us on the cross. Te tinana o te karaiti i fatia His blood was shed for our forgiveness. I maringi o no murunga hara. Christ is risen from the dead. Kua, kua aramai te karaiti itemate. Come, eat, drink, and remember what Christ has done. Hari mai koto. Tango hia te tinana, me ngā toto, o tota tātou ariki, o ihu karaiti. E fakamahara imate imate iamo koto.
0: Come, God's people.
1: Tango here. Haere mai e te kahui a te atua come and receive come to receive Christ's heavenly
0: food
1: tangohia nei a kai rangatira ate kai